Welcome to the Riveting Rosies podcast, a space dedicated to conversations with women that educate, empower, and inspire. I'm your host, Francesca, and I'm so excited to be here with you and share the stories of some badass women. So we can go ahead and get started. Um, Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm so looking forward to hearing all of the things that you have to say. Um, I feel like we have a lot to dive into. So I'm going to start by letting you just briefly introduce yourself um, and talk about the kind of work that you do. Okay. Well, I'm Jessie Benson and I'm a certified life coach. I mostly work with women and I wasn't always a life coach. I actually was a physician for almost 10 years. I was a board certified anesthesiologist and ICU doctor and I practiced both. Very stressful. <laughs> and I, I realized about, I don't know, 10 years ago that that wasn't the right path for me. And so I started out on an adventure to figure out what the right path was. And it led me to coaching and a lot of other really cool things. Yeah, that's awesome. So can you talk a little bit more about um, like your experience going from working as a physician um, into, you know, like the things that affected your decision to leave that and um, what drew you to your current role? Yes. So I grew up in a home where I didn't get a lot of attention. And so I learned very early on, like maybe even preschool, but at least by kindergarten, I remember learning that if I did well, if I got good grades, then I became the teacher's pet and I got lots of good attention. And I absolutely loved it. I was hooked from early, early on. And I basically became this approval-seeking, achievement-seeking person because I just loved that attention and it felt so good to, to get positive feedback. And so that led me to basically chase straight A's my whole academic career. I was straight A's all the way through high school and I was first in my graduation class with my biology um, bachelor's and I was first in my medical school class and I was best fellow at Cleveland Clinic getting my ICU and I just chased it, chased it, chased it and then about 10 years ago I realized that what I was doing, I realized I was just chasing approval and achievement and that it left me feeling very empty. And I was empty because I wasn't actually along any of that doing what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I was doing what I thought would get me the most approval. And it was such, gosh, I just wasn't me. And I felt so alone because I was so disconnected from me and who I was and what I, I didn't even know what I was or what I loved. All I cared about was what would get me the most approval. And so about 10 years ago, I, I had wake up, I, I did reading, I read books, Eckhart Tolle and some other people. And I just had this understanding that I couldn't live that way anymore. I had to be me. And that's when I started um, learning art, music, and eventually in around uh, 2014, I decided to be a life coach because I read about it and I realized that it was how I was already being in my life with my friends and my coworkers. I was supporting them, encouraging them, inspiring them. 
And especially having gone through what I went through, I was encouraging them to be authentic and to be true to themselves. And so in 14, I gave my six month notice to my practice and I enrolled in life coach school and I left the hospital December of 2014. I played my cello in the ICU as a, as a goodbye. And I haven't looked back. I love my life as a life coach. That's awesome. Um, so can you kind of talk to like anyone who might be in the situation that you were in, you know, like they have a career and they're just not really feeling fulfilled by it or they're not sure like who they truly are or what they really want to be doing? Yes, I would first I would first advise that that person looks at the motivation behind what they're doing what everything to really take a global look to look at their job to look at their finances how they spend their money to look at their relationships romantic and otherwise to look at how they take care of their body why they wear the clothes they wear why they do the things that they do for self-care or don't basically to look and say who who am i trying to make happy Am I trying to prove myself to other people or am I trying to just be me and be happy? And one way to do it is to imagine stopping doing those things, like stopping wearing, wearing a certain, a certain clothes, a certain way, or stopping having a certain job or a certain car and thinking, what do we think people would think about us then? And if we're, that can really help us realize, are we doing things because what we want people to think about us or because they're truly what we want? What would we do if no one noticed us or cared and we were just living on this earth all by ourselves? That is what we should be doing is that thing we would do if there was no one else to impress. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's definitely kind of a, a hard thing to navigate, especially for anyone who has like the people pleaser personality. <laughs> it is. And um, there's this wonderful physician who does a lot of speaking on addiction and uh, illness. And he talks about how those problems start in childhood. And he, he says that we all, his name is Dr. Gabor Mate. And he says that we all, when we're young, all of us, we have two things that are important. Our authenticity and our attachment, so attachment to our caregivers. And almost across the board, we will give up our authenticity as a survival to keep that, that attachment, to keep that attachment to our parents or to whoever's raising us because we need them to approve of us. Like we instinctively know I need to be in this person's good graces because they're the person that feeds me, clothes me, keeps me safe. But when we get old enough and we no longer need them to take care of us, we are still acting out of this place of, of feeling like we need that attachment. Then it becomes our friends, our coworkers, the world at large, and we sacrifice. We're still in this place of sacrificing authenticity for that approval, for that attachment. And what we can do now as we get older and we don't need people to take care of us, we can provide for ourselves in lots of ways, then we we can risk being authentic. So it can really help when we, when we feel like we want to be a people pleaser to look at, am I right now 
picking approval and attachment over authenticity. And to, so then at least if you're going to pick people pleasing, you're doing it with wisdom. You recognize it. Yes, I don't really want to go out this Friday because I'd rather stay home, but I'm going to go anyway. And I know I'm going against my authenticity, but I'm doing it at least as a choice. And in the same moment, we can also decide I'm okay, even if those friends don't want to hang out with me anymore because I'm not going out on Fridays with them. I choose me and my authenticity. So to be more aware of it in the moment. Yeah, that's really interesting um, how, you know, the attachment style that you develop at such a young age can influence you for so long. Oh my goodness, yes. And once we get wisdom about it, just like everything, the, the just the absolutely cool part of it is we can start making choices once we have the self-awareness. Yeah, definitely. So um, talking a little bit more about your journey, um, when you first started coaching, I know um, like that starting as a coach can be kind of difficult in the sense that, um, you know, like you are marketing yourself essentially as like the business and the brand. Um, so how did you approach, you know, starting that up the need for attracting clients and getting your name out there and feeling comfortable with all of that? I was very lucky because as I mentioned, I gave my practice a six month notice because it's hard to replace someone that had both of my specialties. And so for six months, people in the hospital would ask, it was a very big hospital. They would ask me, what are you doing? Where are you going? Because like, they're curious. We're friends and they want to know. And I would say, I'm going to be a life coach. And they would say, what is that? Because this was in 14 and a lot of people didn't know what a life coach was, right. is. And so, so they would say, oh, when you get out, I, will you be my coach? And so I collected the, I was like, yeah, sure. So I collected this list because I wasn't, I'm going to graduate until 15 from my program. And so I collected this list. Yes, I'll get back with you whenever I'm done. And I did. And so I was very grateful that it was word of mouth and it, and it remained word of mouth um, through 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And then I'm just now, um, expanding my practice to the point where I'm no longer just relying on word of mouth. I am doing marketing and that's because I'm, I'm, I'm marketing my brave is beautiful circle, which is my year long coaching program for women. And that's 10 women at a time that enter four times a year. So that's a lot more people than my one-to-one -one practice. And so I'm just now doing that. And the way that I'm doing that, because there's so many different ways to approach it is to use the philosophy just to keep giving value, just to show up, I have a Facebook group, for instance, just give those people value. I'm in other groups, give those people value and not ever be thinking about it. What can I get back? But just going out there and being a coach and sharing my love and sharing my heart with anybody who needs it. And then if any of it ever organically turns into someone wants to work with me one-to-one -one or they want to be in my bravest, beautiful circle, then, then that's the way that it happens. But not to do it from a place of desperation, from a place of, I need you to be my client because I need to pay my bills. That is, that in, for, my, for my life and probably for anyone's life, that feels terrible. And it's not a good energy to, to move from when we're trying to connect with people we can help. 
Right. Yeah, definitely. So going from working with one-on-one clients to a group program, um, how does that differ and what was the process like for, um, you know, like creating that space for people? Yes. So I basically, I knew that I wanted to circle and um, I thought, well, what do I want it to be? And I essentially did two things. One, I, I brought all of the things, all of my passions into one place. So my life coaching, I'm also a professional artist. So bringing in my creativity and helping other people tap into their creativity. I love to cook and bake. So bringing that in and basically I designed the, and then the other half I did was I designed the program that I would have wanted to be in 10 years ago when I was trying to break free from perfectionism, people pleasing, approval seeking. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And so I said, what would I have wanted? What would have helped me? And so what I did was I looked at my whole transformation over the past 10 years and I came up with, with principles and they're what I teach, what I call 10 habits of a brave woman. And it looks at every part of a woman's life. So brave mind, brave body, brave boundaries, a brave woman says no when she wants to, that's a really, really important one or brave relationships. A brave woman shows up authentically in her relationships or brave gifts. A brave woman is not afraid to share her gifts with the world. And so I mentioned how women join four times a year and that's because it's, it's on four seasons. And so all four seasons, once, once a week, we, I, we go over each one of those 10 habits, one at a time, week by week, and then do it again and again and again through four times for two reasons. One, because learning these things takes time. We didn't, we didn't become people pleasers overnight and we don't change those patterns overnight. Mm-hmm. And the other part is, is because to try to, to go through all the things that happen in a woman's life every year. So holidays, back to school, um, different things that recur so that I can support them through all of their, their usual life things in a year so that I've been there to support them through all of it. So next year, you know, they've already had support through the holidays and being authentic or through their kids going back to school if they have kids and and navigating that. And so um, the whole idea is to be there for a year to really reinforce those 10 habits and then, and then to fly, then to graduate and to go be that brave woman. Yeah, that's super interesting. I don't think I've ever um, like come across a group program that runs for that long, but it definitely um, makes sense in that situation, you know, like being able to support them through different obstacles that might come up around different times of the year and that sort of thing. Um, so that's really interesting. And then the other part of it is they're not just getting support by me. It's a very intimate group. And so the first 10 women really get to know each other and support each other. And then the next 10 are integrated in. And so by the end of it, everyone is integrated and we're all learning from each other. So they don't just get my support. They get the support of all these other women who are on the same journey as them and who want the same thing to be, to be authentic in their life. Right. Yeah. I think on any kind of journey that you're taking, you know, like having a a group of people that have either been through what you're going through or are going through it currently is so helpful just to have someone um, or multiple people who can relate to you on that level and, 
you know, someone to go through all of the the rough patches with and that sort of thing. You know, it's a nice way to um, like feel empowered on whatever journey you're going on. Yes, it's it's a bunch of people encouraging each other. And we do better when we learn from each other and when we encourage each other. Right. Yeah, definitely. So what would you have um, in terms of advice for, say, like, I know a lot of my audience is like younger women who are either like fresh out of college or are pursuing, um, you know, like their first job or um, maybe like starting their business, you know, like at the very kind of beginnings of their career. So what would you say to those people um, as they embark on this new journey, um, just so that, you know, like they feel empowered to understand that they have the power to choose like what path they're on and um, that, you know, like you mentioned before, they don't have to do it for other people. They should be doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. One thing is to recognize that who you are is beautiful and unique. And there's no one in the world that can share your gifts but you. And if you are keeping them hidden because you think that you need to fill a certain role or a certain mold, then the world is not getting all that you have to share and to to really believe in what you have your your life has been unique your path has been unique and because of that you have only you can share what's in you and fill that need in the world and i would really encourage listeners to to believe in what they have to share, even if it looks like what no one else has to share, especially if it looks like what no one has to share, to just be you, because that is the best thing in the world you can absolutely be. And it will make you not feel alone because you will have you and you will be good to yourself and you will be being who you truly are and your relationships will be better because you won't have resentment and you'll be authentic and you'll attract people who like you for you. And so you get to be you if I had two words it would be be you definitely so my favorite thing to kind of wrap up interviews with is to ask um, what is the most important thing that you've been able to learn about yourself um, you know from the beginning of your journey working as a physician to where you are now Mm -hmm. the best thing that I've learned is that Every single thing that's happened to me, even the things that I might be embarrassed about or ashamed about, those are the things that are what has happened to me to help me help others. And so to cherish each and every one of those setbacks or those challenges, because they are the things that now I can give to others to help them suffer less and to be happy. Well, that's really beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's been amazing to hear the journey that you've been on. And I think that um, everything you spoke about today will be really helpful for anyone who is in, you know, like any aspect of their life and just going on that journey of self-discovery. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so happy to be here and I love what you're doing and I'm so glad to be a part of it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Riveting Rosies podcast. A new episode is released every Monday and Friday, so don't forget to subscribe. I would love if you left a review to tell me what you liked about this episode or let me know if you have any suggestions about who you want to hear on the podcast in the future. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at rivetingrosies.podcast to get updated when new episodes are released and to find out about upcoming guests. Thanks again for tuning in and I hope you'll join me again for next week's episodes.